Hello and welcome. This is Working Class to World Class. But before we go any further, I do have a little favour of you. If you could hit that follow or subscribe button, then that would be a massive help. Thank you. In this episode, I am catching up with arguably one of the most creative and famous chief marketing officers of his era. He has led the marketing for Unilever, Burger King, Activision Blizzard, who own the likes of Candy Crush, Call of Duty, Warcraft. He's picked up some of the biggest industry awards. He speaks at events, he judges awards. Oh my goodness, I don't think there's much that he cannot do. He has made a brilliant name for himself and it's really, truly well-deserved. Check out this fantastic story. Breaking through the barriers of adversity. I'm Lynn Lester and this is Working Class to World Class. Fern, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by you today because as far as I'm aware and as far as I know, you're probably one of the most famous marketers in the advertising industry. Would you would you agree with that? Um, I think I was lucky enough to work with very talented people and be part of some really amazing campaigns that they made like massive, like loud noise in the industry. Um, but it's like it's very easy for me to to claim like um uh, like um, to claim those things, but like it's always like a team sport, really. Like, uh, and I think I, w- I feel I should feel very fortunate like to work with very talented people, both on the agency side and on the on the client side here, um, and have done like some some really cool stuff that like uh, got talked about a lot all over the world. You have, and we're going to talk about it. But firstly, what we are going to do is we're sort of going to take a trip back down memory lane because. You were not always this famous marketer, for want of a better word. You were, at one point, you were just a little boy who lived quite a humble life. And I would really love you to give people a snapshot of what that was like. So if you can tell me when, where were you brought up? Yeah, so I, I have this funny accent because I was born in Brazil. <clears throat> I was born in Rio, uh, Rio de Janeiro, which is the southeast uh, part of Brazil. My dad was born in the Amazon. Um, uh, and my mom was born in Bahia, which is the northeast uh, uh, of Brazil, uh, which tend to be, um, tend, uh, tend to be, especially like back in the day, like uh, I would say like less developed parts uh, uh, of the country, you know, like I think that the epicenter of Brazil when it comes to the economy is more like Sao Paulo and Rio. Um, and, um, and, and I grew up like everywhere. My dad was in the army, so... Um, Every like three, four years, uh, we would have to move around. So I was born in Rio. Um, I moved to the Amazon as a little kid. I lived in Manaus, which is the capital of Amazon. So I have some really fun pictures uh, on the Amazon River or like playing with animals and stuff like that. Um, I have like very like vague memories uh, of that time because it was very little. I remember I had a turtle uh, as a pet, uh, which was really fun. Uh, and then after Amazon, I moved to Bahia, uh, and I lived there, like, I didn't have more memories, like, I was, like, probably, like, four and five years old. Uh, and then I went back to Rio, uh, and I, I lived in Rio up to the beginning of my high school years. Um, and then I moved to Bahia again, and I did high school in Bahia. And uh, and then, like, I, I, I did my college in Sao Paulo, in the countryside of Sao Paulo. So I grew up like moving around, uh, which I think really helped shape my personality because as a kid, every time you move, especially in the beginning, like as a kid, when you move around, uh, when you move for the first time or the second time, it's not easy, right? I mean, because you have like 
all your friends and, and, and back in the day, there was no video conference or like, it was not even easy to call people. I remember writing letters to friends, like uh, 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 on those years, you're talking about early eighties. Uh, and, uh, 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 and it really helped shape my personality in the sense that I became very adaptable up to like new places and, and groups and new people and, and all that. We always live up to college. Like I always live in an army compound. Uh, so like, uh, because my dad was in the army, um, and, uh, we didn't pay rent. Right. I mean, that was one of the benefits of being the army. Uh, the, the places were like normal places, like uh, not ostentatious or anything like that. After all, it's like for the army. Um, the good thing is that they offer lots of opportunities to play sports and because the, the army trains on those places. So I always grew up like playing soccer, volleyball, stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. So like moving around, like, uh, getting used to uh, more people, different people. Um, my, my parents, fortunately, uh, I have a sister. She's like five years younger. Uh, they always like, um, they always put our education first in terms of the priorities for, uh, for the family. So my dad like never had like a, a no awesome car or like we never have an apartment or a house. We are always like living in army compound or after my dad retired, like a rental, uh, a rental uh, apartment and that, uh, and they really like tried to invest all they could in our education. Like a public school in Brazil is not the best, um, like, uh, a college public college can, can be really good, but growing up, like, uh, I think that if you are, if you have like a, a private school, which, which sounds expensive, but like say different private school in Brazil than in the U S or, uh, or in the UK, um, it's just that means to, for you to have access to other uh, education. Um, and they put all of their money, all the little money that they have, they put on, uh, on that, on my education and on my sister's education. Um, yeah, that sounds so cool. And I mean, cause like, cause I guess the thing is you're right. Like when you talk to people like where I live, they would probably say this guy's not working class because he, he didn't, he went to a private school, but you're right. It's context is everything. Cause actually over here, if you wait, if you went to private school, you were considered rich, but where you were brought up, A, you weren't rich, your mom and dad invested, but also I, I guess because of that, there was things that you had to sacrifice as well. So, you know, what kind of things did you not get as a consequence of having a better education, would you say? It's funny because like, I think that, um, it's hard for you to, now when I look back, right, I feel like, oh, I, like, I didn't have much, you know, but when you were there, like, uh, that was my reality. So I never felt I didn't have what I needed. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, so for yeah. me, like, uh, these days, I think all kids are super spoiled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I least I remember, uh, I remember, um, getting a calculator for birthday or a tape recorder for Christmas or, and I would be the happiest kid in, in the block, in the town, you know, like my little calculator with colorful numbers. Like if I give a calculator to my son, he would throw my head, you know what I mean? Like, so, but to me, like, I was like, I, I used to love playing with GI Joe as a kid and like, and, and I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have the vehicles at this time. So I would build cardboard stuff and like, and I would have a great time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, like playing soccer was my favorite thing. 
uh, it's not really expensive. Like uh, you, you just borrow a ball and that's it. You know, you can play soccer in New Zealand anywhere. Um, and the, and the, the things we had, like, uh, uh, the, I never felt I missed anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that I was fortunate enough that, yes, my dad was in the army. You don't make money. You don't get rich being the army in Brazil. I know, like, it's very different than uh, uh, the army, uh, uh, probably like in the US or the UK. And my dad was a professor uh, in the army. So he also invested in his education. My, his parents were like, were poor. It's like living the Amazon. Like it's literally like there is not, there was nothing there like back in the day. So he got to the army to study. Uh, and then he grew up in the army, became a professor of civil engineering uh, in, a, in, a army, in the army school. And so maybe because of that, uh, he always saw uh, education as the, the best. Um, like, but like uh, there was always food on the table. Like uh, we always had our roof. Like uh, thanks to the uh, to the army, uh, and um, and they always invested all they had. Literally, like the first thing that we would uh, that the money would go to would be uh, for education. Um, and I think that maybe that's why growing up, my parents were always like very strict uh, with me in terms of like grades and uh, uh, studying and, and and all that good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I was always yeah. like a really good student. Um, I wanted to go to a public college uh, because, as I said, there are some really good public colleges in Brazil. Um, and, uh, and I wanted for them to stop paying for my education by then, right? I mean, then to get a job and all that. So I could start making my uh, my own money. But, like, uh, yeah, I was just like a normal kid. I would take a bus to go to school. I would ride my bike to, to, to do a class here, a class there. Like, uh, this is, like, back in Rio. Um and, uh, and, 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 and life was, uh, life was like good. You know what I mean? Like, I think that when you are, when that's your reality, you, um, I never, like, I never felt like, oh, my, uh, my friends have more money than I have. They did. Um, but like, I never felt like I was lesser or, um, uh, or on a, different or anything like that you know what i mean like to me like uh uh i was always uh but it was a very diverse county right i mean like uh colonization skin color like uh, uh and maybe because i was around brazil for uh throughout my whole life like i am i always felt i fit in no matter what environment i was in even if i were the kid with less money in school or whatever you know, I, I guess the thing is, because I can't imagine living that army life. Like, I've lived in the same place I was brought up my whole life. Like, I've never left this working class area, which is my home. So so I can only imagine what it was like to sort of go to different places. But, but I, you know, you make it sound so easy, but was it easy, like, to always fit in and integrate, make new friends? Um, it, it's not easy. Um, and for sure, it, it definitely puts you out of your comfort zone, right? I mean... Um, uh, the accent is different. Like, uh, the way people dress is a little bit different. Uh, the type of music people listen is different. Brazil is a very large country, so to go to the northeast, the food is different in the southeast. So it's very different. Um, so I remember, like, first day in new school, 
was like uh, anxious, right? I mean, like uh, you, you, I was nervous and, and all that. Like we were sitting here, like we will enjoy this. These guys all speak differently than I do. Um, uh, will I will I be like uh, welcome? By the end, should be honest, I I I always was. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, I don't know if it's because of my attitude or because I got lucky or because this is still the way it is. But I remember like uh, moving from Rio to Bahia, really southeast, Bahia's northeast. It was like a two day drive. My dad and I uh, drove, uh, like I, I was a kid, so we drove, I was just like there. Um, and, uh, and going on the first day in school, like all new people, like uh, it's a co-ed school. so. Um, and I remember the first day I left, I was already friends with Marcus, uh, who is still my friend today. And we are talking about, this is 1990. Um, and, um, and we went to his house and I had lunch of his seven, day one uh, of school. Um, and, uh, and, and it's funny because like, I have like my friends on WhatsApp groups, right? And they're all different buckets. I have my friends from my year, my friends from Rio, like, uh, you know what I mean? My friends from college. Um, and uh, uh, and I have completely, they are completely different, you know, like uh, in terms of, uh, on, uh, in terms of like uh, geography, style, uh, and all that. So no, it was not easy, but I think it was good. You know what I mean? Like I think it made me very resilient and adaptable, which I think are characteristics that can help you succeed in life, not just at work, but in life in general. Yeah, I suppose with your dad as well being brought up in the Amazon and being in the army, you know, I can imagine probably like most parents, he probably instilled lots of values. Obviously, one of them, as you said, was, was education. But what other kind of things do you think he sort of instilled in you as a person that maybe you've not forgotten to this day? Um, I think that he, like, I think that because of him, uh, I think that like his like relationship, like right, kids and, and their parents, you admire your parents. Like he was always he became a civil engineer professor. So he was obviously like really good with numbers. Uh, I became very good with numbers, like uh, through school and, and, and college and all that. I did some really geeky things. And like I was competing on the mathematics team for, for the state of Bahia uh, at some point. Um, and, um, uh, uh, and, and I think that the value of study uh, and the value of education, like, I didn't have to work as a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there are many kids at work. And like, and if you work, uh, while the other kids, if some kids were working, I would study, right? Because my parents uh, decided to uh, comp maybe compromise or cut on their, uh, uh, on their stuff to allow my sister and I to go to a school that they probably, their parents could probably not afford, let's say, right? Even yeah. if they did cut. Right. Or it was not even available, right? Because my dad in the Amazon, like, I don't think that back in the day, I think today is very different, but like back in the day, I think it was a completely different era. Yeah. My dad always said, like, look, if there is one thing that you, you should invest on, it should be your knowledge. You know, like, that's the one thing that you are never going to lose. So, like, uh, and my mom always pushed me really hard to study, to do my homework, to check on my grades and all the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, because, because I think that she cared. Uh, it was not like I am an investment. It was not like that. Uh, it was yeah. more like, hey, we are we are doing this for you. Uh, we want to make sure that 
you you take the full advantage and the full benefit of that. Yeah. So I also guess you know you had the privilege of the education. I, I what what I'm kind of sensing from you is that your life is quite simple and you sort of almost took what you had and you, and you were very grateful for that at the time you never sort of pushed the boundaries is, is kind of what I'm sort of getting from you and I guess you know when you sort of went to school what then happens what was the sort of next step after school no you mean in college yeah so yeah so like I applied um usually in Brazil um you finish high school and then the last year of high school you need to apply to college and then each college has its own exam, right? Uh, and I was living in Bahia, uh, and there are some good colleges in Bahia, but I wanted to be to go to the best college I could get in. Uh, and um, and the school in Bahia prepares you to the college to the exam of the college in Bahia, which was different than the um, the exams of the college I wanted to go in. So I had to study by myself a lot uh, to prepare me to do a different exam than the one I was being prepared. Uh, and I applied to two or three uh, different colleges, all of which were outside of Bahia, which was the state I was in. I got accepted in the one I wanted, which was in the countryside of Sao Paulo, in Campinas, and uh, in mechanical engineering, which was exactly what I wanted. You know, back then, I didn't know what marketing was. Like, I didn't know, like, th there was no, like, public school college for marketing. You know, you would need to go private, and I wanted to. I didn't even know what it was. Like, and like, uh, and I, I didn't want to go private school because I wanted to, you know, like stop like getting money from my parents and, and do my 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 own yeah. thing. Um, and then I I moved from my year by myself to the countryside of São Paulo to study mechanical engineering. Uh, and the university was amazing. I still have amazing friends uh, that we were together. Uh, uh, at, at, in college, and uh, the course is like a five-year course. Um, I confess to you that the beginning I was like I, relatively bored because um, I always like before I I never paid a lot of attention in classes. I was more of the type who study at home, you know, and do the exercise at the end of the chapter. Uh, and it was a lot of theory and theory and theory. Uh, um, on uh, mechanical engineering, and so I said I will get a job. Maybe that's going to help me, like uh, you know, like enjoy more. So I first I got a job. I think it was on the second or third year, helping a professor with a thesis that he was doing. So I was working for the professor. Then I said, okay, that's that's great, but like I want to work for a company. So I got an internship in Unilever in a factory. So I was on the shop floor of the factory, like uh, working on um, quality assurance for packaging in a fabric, in a, in a loud detergent like factory. But it was really fun. Like I played soccer with the factory team. We had our barbecues like uh, uh, like uh, on Thursdays and it was it was super nice. The guys were, were really awesome. Um, and that's when I heard the word marketing for the first time. You know, like uh, when the marketing team came from Sao Paulo to present the innovation plan, the design, the advertising, all that stuff. And uh, and when I saw I was like, oh, this is, this is way cooler than what I'm doing here. Like, not that what I'm doing is not great. I think that it depends on what you like, right? Um, I always like um, to exercise both sides of my brain. Like, I, I was good with numbers, but I always loved drawing and 
And when I was not paying attention on classes, I was drawing uh, and like I love photography, design, um, comedy and all that stuff. So I thought maybe I can do this uh, and maybe it's going to be more fun. So when time came, I applied to the management trainee program uh, for Unilever. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really top program back in Brazil. Uh, I think in the UK too, but it, it, it was like really solid, but I think it still is. Um, I think there were like, I don't know, like more than 20,000 people applying and there were like 24 positions. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be one of the chosen ones and, and they allowed me to go straight into marketing from the factory to marketing without ever touching a book of Philip Kotler. Um, and, um, and then arriving in marketing, it was really like, uh, again, like a very formative to work, to have bosses that had patience with me, that invested in coaching me, teaching me, uh, like I tried to leverage the knowledge I had to really, uh, to make strides in some projects that would require a bit of skill on that. And that worked well for me. Uh, I was really well respected by the people in manufacturing and like in the, in the factories because they knew where I was coming from. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so like, uh, and then it was like growing from small, small brands to larger brands, to portfolio of brands, to regional portfolio, to global portfolio. Like, uh, I spent 18 years in your year, including the, wow. the, the internship. Yeah. Uh, so it was a, it was a really fun journey. Uh, and I think it's the type of company that allows you to grow and, 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 and to learn. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, and again, like, and I continue to apply the things I've learned as a kid, like the, the, the I always crave, uh, to be in a situation or in a position where I'm learning, you know, like, and that comes from education, it comes from my dad saying like, Hey, the only thing that people cannot take it from you is your knowledge. Like, so when I felt that, uh, things were becoming a bit repetitive in Unilever because I was doing the brand like in the scope that I was dream of doing there, I decided to change. Uh, and then I went to RBI, where King Team Horses and Popeyes. When that started to become a little bit repetitive, I went to gaming, which is where I am today, which is completely different than fast food and completely different than CPG. So again, uh, I was trying to put myself, like moving from Rio to Amazon, to Bahia, to Rio, to Bahia, to Sao Paulo, to Mexico, to New York, to London, to Miami, to LA, like, uh, to me, it's just a continuation uh, of a journey of, uh, putting myself in, uh, uh, in a position where I'm exposed to different things and, and that I have a steep learning curve in terms of, uh, in terms of life, in terms of marketing, in terms of business and, and, and all that. Jeez, I mean, it, yeah, it is. I see, I can't imagine that bouncing from place to place, which is obviously why, you know, when opportunities come your way, you're not really phased if the job is right. My wife goes crazy about it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife, like, suffers from anxiety. When I said, hey, uh, there is this opportunity to go to LA, and she loves, she's Australian, so she loves the idea of living in LA. But, like, it's like, oh my God, and it took time, all this stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I've done that, like, three years. <laughs> Like, your whole life yeah i don't think that for 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 normal people that's uh, that can sound very daunting I, would say. I can imagine yeah not does it does to me because 
you, you know, when you, you talked about your big break, like when you were in that factory and you applied for your internship, why do you think they chose you? Because there were so many other people they could pick, but why were you the standout candidate? I think, look, I, I think it's uh, probably a combination of a couple of things. Um, I think it's probably a combination of the fact that the people who interview me um, realize that, uh, so let me rewind that. Like, first of all, I think it comes from the belief that you are hiring for competences uh, and not for skills or work experience. Like at, early, like at this early in your career, even if I were doing an engineering job, I would learn on the job. You know, like I wouldn't be able to, oh, let me open my, my fluid mechanics book here and try to solve this, you know, like that was like, I think you learn how, you learn how to think. Um, and I think that what college taught me was like how to think, how to approach a problem, like um, how to work with others uh, and, and how to be resilient because, hey, that engineering was tough. <laughs> I can imagine. Like it was like, sometimes I look, I still have some exams from that time and I look at them like, how the hell did I do that? I have no idea. Like, I'm what, like what happened there? Uh, uh, and, and, and I think that depending on the school you, you go, it also serves as a stamp of approval. So for instance, someone who was interviewing me, probably knew like, oh, this guy is probably somewhat smart, you know, like, because he uh, went through this and he seems to be an outgoing and good communicator, like uh, adaptable, you know, which is not because of my college, but I think probably because of my education and the way I was raised. Uh, and I think that that probably caught the attention of the people who were interviewing me. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a mix of the, the, the hurdles that I passed through and the uh, uh, the caliber of the school I, I went in college, plus getting to know me and see like, well, he's probably smart, but he seems to be a normal guy too. You know what I mean? Like, I, which is relatable, not arrogant, not like, uh, not like a super introvert that like can't communicate, just like a bookworm. Like, um, you know, like the thing is like, the more I work in marketing, or the more I work, the more I believe, the more I, 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 I get confident that one of the most important characteristics for you to be successful in the job is uh, your ability to communicate and to align people and, uh, and to influence the organization to do what you think has to be done. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, how adaptable you are, how well you communicate, how you, how you deal with people. Um, on top of like all your uh, skills and experiences. Um, and I think that we were able to pick that. Funny enough, I, I was interviewed by people. I remember my last round of interview, it was Simon Clift, uh, who, who became the CMO for Unilever. He was in Brazil uh, back then. And uh, was it Guilherme? I'm trying to remember who was the other person. No, it was a guy from RNG. Uh, and they were discussing in front of me like if I should go to marketing or R&D, uh, like uh, I, the guy from R&D said, no, I think you should go to R&D. He has a technical background. 
uh, he seems to be smart, like you do well there, he, he's innovative, seems to be creative. And Simon was like, no, 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 he needs to go to marketing, he would do well in marketing. And then I ended up going to marketing. I still talk to Simon, by the way, uh, who interviewed me in 1993, four, five, six, 1997, uh, and, and got me into uh, the Unity Trainee program uh, that, but like it was end of 1997, I started in 1998 out there. You're never going to not thank Unilever. They're the ones that gave you this big step into the industry to be able yeah, to well, look, I, mean, I, I think it was an amazing school for me, you know, like, and I'm still really, like, I still cheer for them. Like, and every time I go to a supermarket, I spend an hour looking at every single product I like, I worked on. I'm one of those uh, those people, you know, like Alan Jope, who is the CEO there now, Aline Santos, who is there, Sandeep. Uh, uh, Samir, sorry, Sandeep is like my partner here at Activision. Like Samir, uh, who is the CMO for personal care, like they're awesome people, you know, like uh, and, uh, and they own a lot. I mean, I, I've learned all the marketing I've learned, like uh, if it were not because the, if you, if it were not, you never like investing to and being patient with me to teach me uh, marketing, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, so far, you know, it's a, it's a really nice story, actually, coming from where you were and how you, you know, you did sacrifice things to get the education. Did you find that were there hardships along the way or tragedies? What was the toughest part of your life, would you say? Uh, I think that when my dad passed away, it was not easy. Like, uh, he passed away of cancer on my last year in college. So it was really hard to... Um, go to work, go to school, go to the hospital, go to work, go to school, go to the hospital, sleep in hospital, like almost like I would spend the night there, like uh, with him, like, uh, so that was tough. It was a shame that he didn't see my graduation, right? I mean, uh, my mom was there and my grandmother was there, but he was not there. I think in, 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 in my sister suffering a lot, she's younger and all that, and I had to stay strong. Because of my mom and my sister being like the, 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 the I became like the male figure, you know, like I started to like uh, coach my sister on stuff and these and that because my dad was not there um, anymore. Uh, so I think that that was probably like um, the toughest part, you know, like, and of course, like there are like moments that things in the business don't go well, or maybe there, you have an issue on a personal life, but both of those things are amendable, right? I mean, um, and many times something that you are uh, uh, facing now, um, it's one of those things that I always try to keep things in perspective. You know, I talk a lot about that with my wife, like sometimes you're arguing or she's upset with something or I'm upset with something. Uh, and, I, and I always say like, well, this is not a real problem, right? I mean, like, uh, like in a year from now, we do not even remember that we're having this conversation. Um, or maybe like in a month from now, we're not going to remember that we had this conversation. Um, but like, uh, I think that those things happen, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, uh, um, and I think that it's in moments like that, that you show strength, you know, like, uh, and I have to be really strong to keep my family together. And, uh, uh and it was right on the time. Like I, I started in Lever, I finished college. It was all like around like the same three, four months. So that was, uh, that was hard. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine you know, staying strong, isn't it, for your mom and your sister. And yeah. and I guess you wanted to then have the spirit of your father because he sacrificed everything for you to sort of get you that education to really help you where you are today. But what do you think, if he was still here, what do you think he'd be saying to you right now? I, I think he would be really proud. I think that he would, like, we always had a relationship where we used to make a lot of fun of each other. Um, right, he's like, he was a very funny guy. Um, at least I think that... A lot of my sense of humor comes from from him. Uh, and we would we would love to like tease each other a lot. So he would probably make fun of me for working with video games. He would say it's not a serious job or like that I don't work. I'm just playing, which is bullshit. A lot like, but like always um, for fun. You know what I mean? Like uh, he, I think that he would be extremely proud, like uh, of like uh, uh, what I achieved. Just like my mom is. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, uh, Today, like, uh, I have the opportunity to fly my mom to come and see us. You know, she was with us for two, three weeks, like around like two, three months ago. Uh, like we didn't have, like I, as a kid, like I, I think I, I don't remember it was the first time I flew abroad of Brazil. You know what I'm saying? Like I, we wouldn't do those things, you know, like, uh, I, I like she do a long distance phone call. I would do one long distance phone call just for the birthday of my granddad to talk to him for 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like uh, we were like very uh, constrained um, and, uh, and to have the opportunity to share like uh, a, a bit of like what we had uh, and, uh, and spend time with my mom and with my sister. Uh, I think it's like, uh, um, I think I'm sure it makes them like uh, really proud. Um, I, I honestly don't think much about that. Uh, to to be honest with you, you know what I mean. Like I like I, I think it's, it's it's just happens. But I know that my my both my sister and my mom are really proud, and I'm very proud of them too. My sister works on um, LVMH in Brazil. She uh, she I think she's leading e-commerce for Sephora uh, at the moment. She was on Louis Vuitton like before. Uh, she did. She did really well, too. Wow! It sounds as if your parents have done a cracking job for you and your yeah. sister. Yeah, and God, yeah. I can, you can imagine still, you know, that Amazon story. I go and think, God, what would that be like? I can imagine it's amazing. Do you ever go back? I mean, been to the Amazon in a very long time. Like, uh, um, I go when I go to Brazil. I usually go to São Paulo, uh, and to Rio. Um, I haven't been to Bahia in quite some time. I have great friends on Bahia, and uh, it's an overdue um, trip there. Uh, but it's usually Bahia, São Paulo, uh, in Rio. Yeah. And do you think, you know, because you had that sort of simple life, like it sounds to me as if you didn't have all the frills and as you see the air travel or, you know, it was just basic, a ball and play football. Do you think it sort of made you feel a bit more simple in how you lead your life now? Um, I don't know, like, but like, I, um, I do think like when people ask me, like, what do you do for fun? Like my stuff is like pretty normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I go to the beach. Um, I go to, I, I tend to go a lot to the same restaurants, like, which are not necessarily fancy. Like we may do like a fancy dinner on our own birthday or something like this, but yeah. like, normally it's like pretty low key. I don't wear a watch. I don't wear jewelry. Like, you know, I, I drive, I'm driving, I, I drive at Toyota Sienna. 
you know, like uh, with the kids, I find it much easier. And I couldn't care less about the, the cars and the car spots or any of that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I do think I'm a, I, I still play soccer. I'm here in Miami this week. I'm playing on Thursday uh, with friends. Um, I love watching my soccer games. Today, my team is playing at night. So my wife is already upset ahead of time because she knows she's going to lose me for two hours at night. Um, and yeah, so like, I, I do think I'm a, a simple, normal guy, you know, like uh, there's stuff that I like to do and I grow up. I, I don't drink whiskey. I, I like beer better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, not against people who like whiskey, but like, uh, I, I'm I'm very down to water for that. Yeah, I don't like whiskey either, and I'm Scottish, so people think I'm just weird. Yeah, I try. And I try, though. Like, because uh, I'm a weird guy, because sometimes I like the concept of something better than I like something. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, whiskey is one of those where I'm like, uh, I think it's beautiful. Like, and I love the glasses and the decanter. And the bottles and things and that, then like it's not, it's just not my thing. Me neither. So yeah, next time we meet up, we certainly won't be having a whiskey. That's for sure. <laughs> no, and we can have a beer together. We can have a beer. And then to sort of wrap up, what would you say? Like you know, you since you've come so far, like what do you think your great greatest achievements been to date? Uh, Work wise, um, I think if I look. If I look throughout my career, um, I think I had like three moments, right? I have Unilever, Restaurant Brand International, and now Activision Blizzard. I think in Unilever, um, I was there for so long and I worked with so many really talented people. But I think that the, the one thing that I'm most proud of that I did was the work on Dove. Uh, which was my last work uh, at Unilever. I was working on that for four years out of Blackfriars, which is the headquarters in London. And we did things like real beauty sketches, Camera Shy. We did a lot of like really cool stuff. The brand was growing, like uh, people had trust on our plans. And it was just, and we had an awesome team. It was just like an amazing time. Um, so that, I think it was a very memorable moment. I remember being in Cannes uh, with Steve Myers was my boss uh, when Sketches won, I think like 24 Lions uh, in Cannes and like, uh, and we were looking at each other like, you know, dinner and he he said, do you realize that that's probably never going to happen again? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I realized that. So he was like, let's just stay for this moment. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that was a really special time. Uh, I think on RBI, um, we had Burger King, Tim Hortons, and Popeyes. I worked with Burger King the longest because that was the brand that was there from the beginning. And it was there for a little bit over seven years. I think that the, mo the most amazing moment uh, for me that I will never forget was um, again in Cannes when, uh, um, uh, when Burger King uh, won as a creative uh, brand of the year. Um, oh, and uh, and and I remember Simon calling me to give me the news. I was in Cannes with there were twenty people of the team, and he gave me the news. I was in a bar, and we would get the award at the same night. And I told him, I asked him to please not tell anyone, because I look. I I said to him that I would lie to my team, uh, that we lost, that we're number two, because I feel that 
when you go to Cannes, like there are no surprises anymore. So I thought that I could give them that surprise. Uh, and it was really, really, really funny. I didn't even tell my wife. So it was really, really funny when we were in the auditorium and they were announcing the winner. And then number three was Ikea. Number two was Nike. And I told my team that Nike had won. And they fell off their chair. Like uh, when like uh, when Burger King came as, as number one. Uh, and I still remember Ariel, who, was the market, who is the marketing guy from Brazil, punching me like on my on my arm because I lied for him. Um, so that was like uh, that was really really special. And and here at Vision, like I've been here for a year, I think that it's a, a it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing challenge, uh, and we have like amazing franchises, and we're already doing uh, great stuff. Like uh, we did some really cool stuff for Call of Duty. Uh, we are doing some really cool stuff for World of Warcraft, for Candy Crush. Uh, I'm learning a lot, and and I'm sure that when I when I look back a couple of years from now, I will like this will be like a it's a really big challenge because the industry is evolving so fast. I think that the challenge we have is like how can we evolve faster uh, than the industry and and he defined or define uh, how gaming marketing should be, uh, but it's still in the works. You know what I'm saying? Like we already got yeah. a lot of cool stuff out of the door, but like I'm more excited about what's yet to come than uh, what we've done. That sounds pretty awesome. And then your, the final word I would like from you is, so say people are watching this at the moment and you know, you've got people who are coming from that working class background. You've got people who are just maybe a bit lost in the world right now. What kind of tip would you give them if they want to try and lead a career like you've done? I mean, I, I think my advice is biased because it's based on my own personal experience, right? Uh, which doesn't mean that it's the only way, but like, um, I think if you cannot get wrong if you're investing in your own money, you know what I mean? Like, you cannot get that wrong. Like, uh, uh, so my advice would be uh, for you to always try to put yourself in a position as much as you can where you're learning the maximum amount. You know, if you have to take a job uh, that you're going to probably make a little bit less money, but you're going to learn more, in the long run, that job is probably going to be better. You know, like when I was doing my internship, I was like, I was paying more in the car toll and gas than my salary uh, on internship. You know what I mean? Like, but doing gunship in Unilever was very meaningful uh, and really helped me get a better job in Unilever. But it could have been elsewhere too. Uh, so push yourself to, to learn, you know, like uh, uh, in the work, like uh, if you're a student, study. If you like advertising or not advertising, you know, like I think that's probably the best advice I can give you because you can't get it wrong uh, if you invest on your, on your own knowledge. Well, I think that's a pretty sound word of advice. Thank, thank you so much. I'm so glad to have heard your story and how you've went for that wee boy in the Amazon to just being super awesome the way you are at the moment. So thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll catch up soon. My pleasure. It was, uh, it was lovely to, uh, to spend some time together. I can hope you can connect again soon. Hopefully. Thank you.